0: Hey everybody, welcome to Licked and Loaded. I'm Laura Desiree and today it's just me and it's just you. Don't you love it? Mm. An intimate encounter with the great Laura Desiree. Well, it's actually you and the questions that you submitted to my most recent Ask Me Anything that I held on my Instagram. So to everyone that replied thank you first and foremost, you have no idea how much it strokes my dick to see such a volume of reply. My ego feels fantastic when I see that in my inbox. Uh, However, a lot of the messages I received in response to my Ask Me Anything post were uh, not in the form of a question. They were in the form of a command for specific content. Uh, They were dick pics. There was a lot of them. And there were a lot of... Uh, emojis kind of strung together like a a charm bracelet of sorts and totally indecipherable as to what you were trying to ask with them. So unfortunately, I can't interpret some of the the messages that came my way. But I did handpick some of my top favorites. Everything else did, unfortunately, hit the cutting room floor. But guess what? It's all good. I got a lot of awesome ones that were sent in, and today I'm going to be addressing all of them. So what can I say? Thanks for playing with me. Here's your reward. Okay. These are in no particular order. I should make that known right up front right out of the gate uh, But starting it off question one Have you ever fucked a fan? Give us the story. Uh, I'm so flattered I sometimes forget that there might actually be a fan base out there for me um, so that's something that I have to grapple with on the daily, but um, honestly, here's the thing. I, When it comes to people that I want to fuck, uh, when I see that starstruck glaze in somebody's eyes and all that nervous energy when they approach me, I can't really see you as anything other than someone to sell my content to. And that might sound harsh, but I'm allowed my own sexual preferences here in this world, in today's day and age. And uh, that isn't a quality that makes me wanna fuck you. It's a quality that um, makes me want to continue to sell to you. All I can say is that people who have fucked me turn into fans. People who have fucked me usually uh, are left with this, this, this very enchanting, Uh, Call to explore me further and maybe check out what the hell does she actually do and Every once in a while that perfect chemistry of the the person and their specific preferences and The the segment or the piece of my art that they have landed on just kind of complement each other and they become Super fans so people usually develop into Laura Desiree fans and after fucking me is a very good way of putting it. It is, is usually a great send-off into becoming a Laura superfan. What can I say? I'm unforgettable. So question one, ever fucked a fan? Uh, give us the story. Answer one, never fucked a fan. Question two, what's your take on the stigma that all folks in sex work are broken, hurt, or victims of violence? I mean, this one still just drives me fucking crazy. I don't think that even holds up. I mean, has the whole OnlyFans revolution uh, and OnlyFans success and massive explosion of success during this pandemic taught us anything? I mean, these are not a group of people that are wounded, paralyzed, handicapped in any regard. Uh, They're no more... Uh, bruised, beaten, battered, and scarred and wounded than any other human on this planet. They are incredibly business savvy people. Sex workers in today's day and age, sex workers, you know, of of the ages throughout the ages, sex workers at the very beginning of it all. We're talking serious bravery. You know, I can't imagine what it what it must have been like. To be some of the first people making that decision to put a price on your body and put a price on your sexuality, and then have a relationship that's comfortable to give it, to offer it as a service, while you know, of course, still trying to maintain the mental sanity. All humans are trying to maintain their mental sanity, um, and that's another thing that I want to really applaud sex workers for is. The incredible strength it takes, the incredible independence that it takes. I mean, sometimes you are the only person, aside from your clients, that knows you're a sex worker. I mean, that's one angle of it, truly. And so that does take a self-reliance and a relationship with yourself that is like, nothing else in this world, and you go to war for it, and you defend it, and you really have to be on guard at all times to ensure that you still love the person you are. That's a huge part of sex work, because sex workers, their ease today You know, I know we are nowhere near the level of acceptance for sex work that we ought to be. I mean, some people would say that we are policing it more than we ever have, and consequence and treatment has never been this extreme and this truly horrific for sex workers. However, the ease of being able to function and succeed within so many different varieties of sex work today i mean the the system of it the industry has been built on the bruises has been built on the calluses and has very much been built on the scars of those before us but do I think that sex workers are some kind of mentally ill group of people that are perhaps trying to survive some kind of a PTSD or a traumatic experience or some kind of a pain that uh, they are working through? I don't think that's a, at all a fair assessment. I think what really binds these people as sex workers is is an outlook perspective on what sex truly is what our bodies truly are and being able to understand and use to their advantage the opportunity that there is your intimate true self and then there are these services and these experiences that are available in the physical realm but for an exchange of service sex workers are people that together share an outlook about their body and their sexuality and the beautiful opportunity that lives within sharing that for a means to survival. I do want to recognize that there is a very unfortunate side of sex work and that is occupied by people who are forced into it against their will, against their wishes. And I do think that is a recipe for, yes, creating a broken person and a broken life, but that's also a criminal offense. In closing, I'll say sex work is a massive part of the fabric of society, and it always has been, and now more than ever. I'm not sure if those people who hold the opinion that it is such a rotten uh, and uh, abysmal and repulsive and illegal industry. I'm not sure that they are aware of just how common it is to occupy any of these realms and facets within sex work today. Whether you're camming, whether you're stripping, whether you're sucking dick through an agency or standing on a street corner. You know what I mean? There are so many different uh, avenues within sex work and you would be absolutely blown away at least those who those who are in denial of just how common sex work is today you'd be blown away just how common sex work is today your barista at Starbucks is likely selling her nudes and dick sucking videos Um, your dental uh, hygienist you know that assistant that comes in yeah you know she might be seeing some people on the side because she's able to hustle something for herself after having your wealthy clients come in for their cosmetic touch-up There's so much traffic outside. Hold up, hang on. Felt that backfire right in my clit. Uh, You seem like someone who's raring to go and in the mood all the time. Is this true? Not even close. I am raring to masturbate all the time. I just, I know how to do it to myself so well. I am so reliable. It is clockwork for me at this point. Like, I could really, like, I could bring that in on budget real close. Like, if time's ticking down and I need a quick release, I can always count on myself. But I am not raring to go with another human being at all times. I mean, definitely when you're first, you know, in those early sexual years, you it's like a just collect them all experience you have to absolutely try everything and you do have this sexual appetite i can't explain it it's like uh it's like a, a a rabies or something like you go rabid and you need to fuck everything but then you get older and you don't have that hunger all the time i mean it ebbs and flows you know also being someone who suffers with depression and is medicated, it certainly does ebb and flow. But when I am in the mood for it, it comes on hard and strong. And I don't wanna do anything else for the day. I might not eat, I might not brush my teeth, and I might not even wanna leave the bed. I will dehydrate myself to the fullest during those days, you know what I mean? And I think that's like a bit of a, a junky thing. I don't know. It, it's definitely a, a cokehead thing, which I have been in this life. And uh, you just can't get enough and you need more and you need more. And so, uh, yeah, you like things to the excess. If that's part of your personality type, then like stay away when it's my moon in Uranus or whatever. Next one, uh, chicken or the egg question. Did sex work find you or did you find sex work? Uh, Always curious, always had a fascination with it. I summoned it. I think I did. Like, I really do believe that when, you know, it started flirting with me in my life and a lot through my thoughts, it's almost like I summoned it and opportunities started unfolding, or I was aware of them more. Like I could see that dimension, the dimension where only sex workers live and I could start making connections uh, a lot quicker and and visibly. So I feel like I summoned it. It's something that I had been burning up with curiosity for. And you start getting these little hints in life, you know, when, you realize the power of your sexuality or you realize the power of revealing yourself a certain way. And I mean, physically like, you know, leaning forward in a push-up bra, like realizing those little moments and seeing the power that they hold and letting your brain kind of go a beautiful mind and expand into all the potentials and outcomes in, you know, proceeding with this one little spark I definitely summoned it. And um, I wonder if anyone else feels that way. I mean, that's, that's a weird question, but it's a good one. Um, because, again, I know a lot of people, unfortunately, do turn to it out of absolute necessity and desperation. And uh, we do need to be more responsible about making sure that sex workers in the community... Are in it for the right reasons and have been vetted by their peers for their sanity. And that's something that needs to be actively done throughout all of the relationships and the time that we spend in sex work. We need to kind of, I I do believe that that's a responsibility in it, uh, especially if we want to see things change about the opinion of it. I love this one. As a performer, in what context slash situation do you feel most like your authentic self? It's so funny because in the early days of being a performer, you you are so blinded by how incredible every moment of being witnessed feels, you know, like when you're out on stage and some people would say, well, when I'm in the middle of performing, whatever that might be, I'm coming from a world of burlesque. For those of you who may not know me, you know, you're blinded for so long by just how different this feels than anything, any thrill you'd ever felt in life. And so, um, you kind of lose your authenticity in that moment, and that period can go on for the first week of being a performer to your entire life. And maybe as you're choking on your spit in your final few moments, you know you you have this epiphany that, you know, that wasn't me being authentic. That was me being very impressed by all of the attention and energy of people onto me. But to answer your question, and this is why smoking marijuana before answering these questions just. They become philosophies of life. Um, So, gosh, I hope you guys are getting through this okay. I'm trying to get through this okay. Uh, My most authentic self, I feel that that happens when I'm in conversation. It took me a while to get to that point. For a long time, I thought my authentic self was not um, a speaking version of myself. I was very excited by being, you know... um, a tall, flexible person that could make interesting shapes and move seductively. And, you know, there was so much more to unlock. There's so much more satisfaction to unlock when you dig a little bit deeper into what is making you feel um, fulfilled, satisfied, and, you know, celebratory of your authenticity. And so for me, it was like when I put a microphone in my hand and became an MC for some of these live events, whether it was you know, um, a swingers cruise uh, somewhere in Eastern Europe or, you know, uh, a red carpet in Las Vegas or the stage of a burlesque festival, putting a microphone in my hand kind of elevated all of that excitement for me. And um, that excitement was just how natural it felt. So I would say in conversation. Because the next, the latest evolution I've had is that it's not just me speaking with a microphone in my hand that makes me feel um, purposeful and entirely fulfilled. It's actually having an active conversation with someone because I'm trying to do more of that and it's exciting me as I do it. I'm still in that nervous phase, you know, of seeing if um, this is something I'll be able to saddle up and really ride into the sunset. Uh, Yeah, one of my all-time favorite questions How different is real Laura from stage slash showgirl Laura? Are they the same person or diametric opposites? I am about to just break the hearts of everyone out there who thinks that there is a quiet, reserved, God-fearing, says-her-prayers-before-night virginal, subdued, demure version of Laura Desiree because she doesn't exist. And I get asked this all the time, and not only as like in the form of a question, but as like a a strange compliment, you know, like this. Uh, I think you're incredible, but I can't wait to get to know the other side of you. I can't wait to get to know you intimately. I can't wait to get to know the real you. And it's like, there really isn't very much of a difference. I mean, I don't dress up every day like I'm going to stage. So I guess the home like real version of Laura, well she's not wearing makeup and she's walking around in like a tank top and no underwear around the house. That's what she's doing. Um, But if you think any part of the real me is void of this drama, void of this sex appeal, void of this uh, absolute need to gasp, at a dramatic moment, then I'm sorry, you're you're gonna be quite upset. And this is how I've understood it in my mind when looking back as to what the root cause of all of this might be. And uh, I'm a motherless daughter, okay? I was raised by my father. My mother died when I was 10 years old. This was after she'd been sick for five years in and out of the hospital. And Our dad, uh, and I say our because I'm also a twin, so um, our dad is left with raising these two 10-year-old twin girls, and we watched so many movies, you know? We watched a movie every single night of the week, and that was kind of how we had together time and getting through all of what we had experienced, like we didn't necessarily voice all of our feelings and grief and all that shit, but we watched a lot of movies. So it happened at the right age for me when I absolutely needed and was, you know, seeking out uh, a mother figure in life. And what can I say? There was a lot of like Mae West, Rita Hayworth, uh, Eartha Kitt, and... Uh, a lot of uh, Gloria Swanson, a lot of really dramatic women that really gave me an understanding of what women were and what, how women behave how women reacted, what a strong woman looked like, what a, uh, a, a pathetic and hopeless woman looked like. So all of these presentations of these different kinds of women, but all made out of movie characters. So that was my understanding of, of women. I was raised with very much an allowance to show my emotional side so I've always just you know enacted it and let it become a full-body experience when it hits me but uh, it's also where I get my crippling romanticism from (sighs) okay um who are your sex heroes I mean For me, number one is always going to be Xavier Hollander who wrote The Happy Hooker. It was such a mysterious book that was in my parents' room growing up. And I remember like working up enough courage to snatch it and like flip through it. And then I remember reading it as like a teenager and then as a sexually active teenager and just revisiting it back and forth and back and forth. And I I always loved how, how absolutely unapologetic... Uh, and and natural sex was to her and it's her story right and it's just it was so exciting to read that she was a very exciting author and I remember even you know checking out the movie version with Lynn Redgrave which I love and uh, and actually writing to Xavier and going all the way to Amsterdam and getting to stay with her in her home and speak with her firsthand I mean This is someone she immediately was like, oh, you shave your pussy? Well, I prefer my women with pussy hair. Like this was my first interaction with her. That's someone who's incredibly comfortable and also very aware of how important sex and sexuality is. Um, So uh, number one hero, Xavier Hollander, for sure. Uh, Below that, I would say uh, Lil' Kim most specifically in that poster where she's in that deep squat, okay? Because, wow. Uh, We're talking a serious ham sandwich just on presentation there. Like that is such powerful pussy right there. Like she is spread. I don't know how she got her booty that low to the ground. I mean, my hips just, they won't permit me to even get close to reenacting that. And that's something I have to live with every day as well. I said I wasn't going to do these, but uh, this one came in and it was spectacular. Uh, Will you rate my dick from one to ten? So, like I said, accompanied with a picture and looking at it, it's a tough thing to rate because the focus of this image is entirely the filth on your bathroom floor. There's like a very visible scum. Um, I see the bottom of your shoe, like, well, the top of your shoe, but just at the b- bottom of the image here in the corner, it looks filthy as well. Your shoelaces are filthy. The the grout needs a scrubbing. So I haven't even gotten to the dick yet, okay? Uh, you've also chosen to shoot from a bird's eye view, and that's a, just such a no-no in today's understanding of... of selfie culture. How do you not know this? Have you not seen a woman anywhere outside in the public environment getting low and moving her arm around for other angles here? You've gotta put in a little bit of effort. Now, looking at the dick, it's like a seven. A seven. It really couldn't be more than a seven. And a seven is really my kind side. The Canadian in me is telling you it's a seven. But if you want the real opinion, let's take this conversation to another platform. What facet of sex work slash adult performance have you not tried yet but are dying to? Hmm. Um. I still have a dream to be like a total dungeon master. Uh. I I would really like to spend a couple hours a week totally decked out in all the leather and really just moving through each moment with a disappointment in some kind of submissive nothing below me, you know? Like I would love to crack a whip down for more than just foreplay. So Dungeon Master, one of these days I'm going to do it. What is the best way for a sex worker to foster and sustain true self-love? Well, like I said earlier, looking in the mirror daily, having that staring contest with yourself and making sure that there is a love, uh, a dedication to protect, that's important if that starts wavering. If you're unable to make that connection with who you're seeing in the mirror, then drop everything immediately in that moment. Don't just push through leaving that staring contest saying, well, we'll check in on this later, or I'm gonna ignore this for now and continue down a path that is is making me question myself. I mean, freeze in that moment, okay? If you have that moment right before you're going out to see a client or to twirl on a pole and shake your ass for some money, then just don't go in that day. Because you can't move on from this until you're able to access that self-love again. Because if you don't have that self-love and that vision and understanding of yourself on your side, you're putting yourself out there to make decisions that aren't in your best interest that aren't looking out for yourself. And that's your responsibility. You don't have to leave that reflection in the mirror like a fucking Dallas Cowboys cheerleader jumping in the air with excitement, kicking your knees up, you know, flirting with hundreds of thousands of people about how excited you are about yourself. That's okay, you don't need that level of enthusiasm. I just need you to agree that you do love yourself. You know what? You might not be feeling your hottest about it right now, but I love you and I'm going to go do something right now, but I love you. Do you have a me too story that you can share? As in hashtag me too. Don't tell me you've forgotten. Uh, Well, I'll say this. What I have learned is that sexuality... And pridefulness in your sexuality is something that you need to be responsible for because other people have reactions to sexuality and you need to be mindful that some people's reaction to receiving sexuality sexual energy of any kind may result in some very disgusting and unfortunate transformations whether that's violence whether that's a kind of mental manipulation that can be very painful and drawn out for a long period of time, Um, these are potential consequences. So you can't necessarily, to a T, have your radar like the fucking Terminator being able to spot every possible reaction someone's gonna have if you bend over in front of them, so to speak. So protect yourself for the potential That it could happen. Now I'm not saying live your life in a state of panic and distrust. But don't let yourself wander into a state that's being so naive that you are sleeping through that transformation. Because sexuality can be a weapon of mass destruction. You have no idea how someone else is going to react to it. And it could have a dangerous potential on your life where is your favorite place to shop for lingerie Uh, it used to be agent provocateur agent provocateur Uh, i think their designs are truly outstanding Uh, i love the look of the materials however they're not built for the kind of sex and the kind of events i like to have and participate in in my lingerie so if i'm being photographed in it beautiful love it in actuality I require something that's a little bit more durable than gay pierre lace with a beautiful eyelash trim that is going to tear the second I extend my arms for a tight embrace, you know? And I'm not trying to come down on on the quality of them. It's like a very certain kind of experience you have with their lingerie. And it's like the kind of sex that you Begin from a distance, you know, and you get to see how the lingerie moves as you approach this prey of yours. And maybe they can, you know, enjoy huffing and rubbing their hands up and down parts of the lingerie. But in actuality, it's very hard to do anything physical in just how delicate and precise their lingerie is. Were you always aligned with your sexuality or did you have to seek and embrace it? I definitely had to seek it. I I didn't know what potential there was in sexuality and I'd seen a lot of movies. Trust me. We talked about it earlier. I had seen a lot of movies and of course I fell in love with sex being two silhouettes in front of Venetian blinds backlit in blue to... Uh, Berlin take my breath away you know what I mean and it wasn't as multifaceted as I became to realize in the real world and that's what really got me on this seek mission but in that seeking my god to get to a level of truly embracing your sexuality you've got to go through so much heartbreak So many embarrassing moments, so much ickiness, you know, rejection of all kinds and uh, some very manic moments where you're being impulsive and you're not quite sure why you're pursuing this experience, but something's tugging on your fuck strings and you have to do it. All of that is a part of it. And so I absolutely I made a full surrender uh, in my early sexual adventures, I made a full surrender and, and everything was on the menu. And I think that is important. You do have to satisfy those curiosities in order to get to a level of embracing your sexuality. How else could you any other way? You won't feel familiar to any of these parts of yourself until you go and try them. What are your views on monogamy? Ooh, uh, this is one that I'm, I'm still figuring out for myself. Uh, I don't believe monogamy is for everyone. For me, it feels very case by case. That's the only way I can explain it. Sometimes I feel that I want to have that access with someone so isolated from the world and untouchable and impenetrable for anyone else but the two of us. But another side of me wants to advance in all of the reward that happens in taking sexual risks and experimentation and whatnot. So I don't don't know how I feel about monogamy right now. That's a tough one. Uh, I don't think it's fair to shame people that are in the current place of trying something a little bit different, meaning non-monogamy. That's very new. To the world I find. But I feel like that's like really new for the general public to start wrapping their heads around. Uh, which community slash industry slash group of people do you believe are the most sexually oppressed and why? I mean upper white-class America. There's just been this system that's presented a group so much glory. This puritanical fucking church-driven mental state that requires so much denial at all times, and you have to be both vocal about it and in many cases practicing of it in your own personal, intimate understanding of yourself, and that builds a very unhealthy relationship with sexuality but everybody wants to keep being those people. Everybody sees that as the person they're supposed to be. Right? That's the dangerous part. I'm a woman in my 50s recently divorced after having the same boring sex for 25 years. Where do you suggest I start my late onset sexual discovery? Um, Masturbation? I hope you're doing it. I hope you've started trying other ways to attain that climax. Like we got to shake it up now. We got to bring some gadgets into the bedroom. Let's put some new synthetic experiences on your pleasure hunt. You know what I mean? Can we start there? Just so you can like understand how much, uh, um, how much option and variety there is out there for your pleasure. And I would start honestly with masturbation, and toys are a great way of exploring, you know, other sensations that you might enjoy. You're in control of those toys. Um, You don't need to rush into having sex with the next hot-blooded person out there. Honey, you're now free to proceed and choose your own adventure. So start searching for porn that interests you. You know, find like search words, things that you don't even need to string together a sentence or know what a specific genre that there is out there, but start taking note of the things that make your pussy throb. You know, hairy chests, big dicks, small dicks, hard fucking ass-eating. Whatever it is, start saving those little search words. Each of those are like little breadcrumbs, you know, that are taking you to a big house of candy. And guess what? You're gonna walk up to the front door, and congratulations, you own the place, bitch. What's something about yourself that would surprise most people? Never an easy one, because like I've said, and as you should know by now, I wear my heart on my sleeve and this is very much me um it was met with shock when an ex-girlfriend of mine saw me take a tampon out of its paper and twirl it in my mouth before inserting it i didn't think there was ever anything wrong with it with that method of Lubing it up, getting it ready for the ride. And uh, she looked at me and said, I don't understand. Isn't that like the one time of the month that you wouldn't need more lubrication down there? And I mean, of course, now I have this hang up and I'm I'm thinking at all times, is this just something strange about me? Does no one else do this? I lick my tampons before putting them in. That's something that you probably don't know about me. (sighs) Last one. What do you think the sex industry could do to appeal to more lesbian viewers? Uh, show real lesbians. The entire business is displaying one kind or one presentation of lesbian, and that's a woman who is sexually appealing to a straight man. And that's wrong. Uh, Lesbians are hoping to appeal to lesbians. (laughs) So we need to see and have that visibility on the screen and show the sex that they have. Unless I'm missing a certain website, in which case, please tell me where I can find some hot butch action. Oh, so that does it. Thanks so much, everybody, for sending in all of these awesome questions and all of that interaction. Like I said, you know how to make me feel good. Make sure to never miss another Ask Me Anything opportunity by following me on Instagram. My handle is Laura X Desiree. And also make sure that you're following Cam4 Radio so you can get all of the licked and loaded updates and episode announcements. Make sure to favorite, like, subscribe, whatever channel it is that you're listening to us on. And tune in because we'll be back with more Licked and Loaded. Bye bye.